Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Two Planker Podcast. We're here with Dylan Siggers. And Dylan, thank you very much for joining us, dude. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I'm stoked to, uh, stoked to talk about skiing. It feels like it's been summer for a long time. So, I'm yeah. Excited. Let's do it. I'm, uh, I said the same thing with a lot of the other episodes we've been doing. I reached out to Line. And I was like, who's your best? And they're like, oh, Dylan's, Dylan's a must. So I'm, I'm happy to have you on here, dude. Can I ask who's the loudest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me. Um, so let's see. Where are you coming to us from right now? Because I, I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure before we start talking about it. Yeah, I'm in uh, my house in Fernie in British Columbia, Canada. Um, I just got back from visiting my wife's farm in northern Saskatchewan, screwing around, hitting some bike jumps, and uh, hanging out with the family and hanging out with the cows and the, the horses and the, the chickens and the turkeys. It was awesome. So, yeah, yeah. stoked to be, stoked to be uh, having a bit of a chill chill time in the middle of a busy August. Yeah. Back to back to existing now. Yeah, so what do you do in the summer? Because I know that you're busy with the mountain biking at the very least. So what else do you have on your plate during the summer months? Um, I mean, yeah, like summer stuff, like I used to, like a, traditionally would do like just a lot of film, film work and uh, shoot tourism and shoot some wedding stuff. And then as I slowly grew out of that, and I've always been into mountain biking, like I would shoot like a couple like cool mountain bike videos a year for some of my bike bike athlete friends. Um, and then that's kind of just transitioned into doing it full time. Um, I started riding for a bike brand this year called Forbidden Bikes. Um, and uh, they basically gave myself, one of my good friends, Zach Musso, who skiers probably remember and know, um, uh, Liam Bayless, and then my wife, Sophie, the opportunity to just kind of make whatever we want. So this summer, I've just been like cruising around with those guys coming up with like, hopefully unique and interesting um, bicycle videos and just doing that. That's all it feels like we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's been kind of busy. They put Crankworks in July this year, which made July like super packed because it's usually in August. And that was fun. And uh, yeah, other than shooting bike videos, making bike videos, um, me and my wife just got a puppy. So hanging out with my puppy a lot, which has been really fun. And uh, I think I've been finding myself just working on dirt jumps a lot lately in my free time anytime i can go work at the jumps is like so like therapeutic and like it gives you so much uh i don't know it just makes you feel like you did something when you like make a landing work or a lip work and then you get your line of jumps running it just feels like so rewarding and uh digging jumps run bikes and i also play in a punk rock emo band so do a band practice whenever our like schedules work out we've had a couple shows we've got a show on september 2nd that we have to get ready for so those are kind of my main little hobbies yeah have you ever done have you ever done any work with uh do you know joey schusler he's a mountain biker 
I've made a video of him before. Okay. I've never like met him. I yeah. edited footage of him for Mindspark once. <laughs> yeah, but I've never met him. But he sounds like we're similar interests. That is exactly what I was going to say. You guys are on a very similar tip with like the kind of athlete filmmaker vibe. I, I worked with him like in 2022, but like you were describing what you're up to. And, and then I was just like, oh yeah, that, that, that sounds exactly like what this other dude is on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a sweet, like I like really enjoy like that relationship with existing, um, just being able to do the sport, but, also like appreciate the filmmaking side of it and like have a deep involvement in it i mean uh, i've always been a filmer since i was like 10 years old Mm -hmm. and uh i've always liked doing bike stunts and ski stunts so it's just like i don't know growing up it's always been super natural to me i don't know if it's because i'm like really competitive or if i just like want to fit in or like i don't know when you're like a kid you just if you do a big trick everyone wants to talk to you so like that's kind of i feel like been a motivator my whole life um (laughs) And then, you know, being a filmer, it's like, I'm just, fuck, I'm so lucky to be able to, like, approach a brand and be like, hey, I want to make this video of me, and I'm going to make it, and, like, this is what it's going to be, and I can, like, explain it and execute it uh, just kind of under my own power and not have to rely on, like, another person or, like, communicating ideas to another person and then trying to get them to bring it out of, you know, like, it's hard to... uh, it's hard to uh, completely get what you're getting across without just showing someone or, or doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's really interesting. We could, de- we could definitely go more into filmmaking. I want to lay the baseline because uh, I feel like a lot of your life story is going to revolve around Fernie. And uh, I think the only other guest we've had from Fernie or that spends time in Fernie is Rob Hewley. And I had him on forever ago it feels like at this point but tell us a little bit about fernie and also tell us about how you you ended up there because i feel like that's a pretty unique part of your story i've obviously read about in a lot of interviews at this point doing research on you but uh yeah give us a little bit of the fernie rundown i mean yeah fernie's kind of like revelstoke if the there was way less heli skiing it's like the same kind of vibe um it's a small town it's like five thousand people um we're kind of snugged away in the bottom corner of bc so we're actually like from other stuff in bc we're considered like super out of the way but if you live in a in like calgary then we're like really close so um that's partly how i know rob so well um we were like little ski kids and he was like the super cool uh skier when we were kids he had the big baggy outfits and the line ghetto blasters and stuff and so he was like the cool like I don't know. He's like three or four years older than me. So everyone like, I mean, we all looked up to him and he was so awesome. And then as we grow up, we end up in uh, a lot of the same places. So it's cool to be able to like maintain that friendship with someone you knew when you're like 10. Um, Cause he's a Calgary dude, but yeah, we're basically a sweet little all mountain ski resort. We don't really have a park. We have a rail park. That's pretty sweet, but like, I don't know. I, it's not as, it's not, it's not a rip in park or anything. So a lot of us end up just skiing all mountain and hitting cat tracks. And we're all grew up very motivated by like ski movies and tricks and stuff, but we didn't really have park jumps to do them on. So a lot of us just end up being these like weird cat track obsessed, like 180 kids. I feel like Fernie's funny. Like everyone from Fernie has the same 
style or approach. It's like very obvious when you go somewhere, all the funny kids look us look the same because we're all into the same weird, weird stuff that has now, I think, become kind of industry standard, like, you know, all mountain jibs and tricks. But yeah, Fernie's a small town. Um, I grew up here. My ta- my my dad's my dad moved here from Vancouver when he was like 21 or 22, and he met my mom, and she's from Manitoba, and then they made a life together, and then I came along and uh, grew up just living here and enjoying my little life and my little things, and there's enough opportunity in all these different directions that it's kept me here uh, my whole life. And, uh, yeah, I've never really felt like leaving. I feel like maybe I was too scared to leave, but also I like love just going out and going on trips to Whistler or Revy or wherever in these places where the ski industry exists and enjoying myself, but then coming home to a place where it's like a lot more isolated. And like when you're out skiing, it's not like, like, Oh, this crew's there. Like, Oh, who's going to do that? Or who's going to do this? It just feels like authentic and small and like everyone's very genuine it doesn't feel like there's much like big time industry happening um, it, when you're, when you're out trying to do your thing and just like enjoy yourself in a casual way. Yeah. It is cool. Uh, that, I'm not sure if I answered the question. No, you did. <laughs> it's cool that you're like a second generation Fernie kid, you know, like your dad moved there when he was 22 and he's, then he spent most of his adult life there. It seems like, and then now you're kind of doing the same thing and it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you really hear about people, living and growing up in ski towns and then staying there much anymore. It seems like, uh, I don't know. You just don't hear about it much. No, probably. I mean, I think it's funny. Like, I don't think it's that rare. Cause like all my homies are like from here. Right. Like, cause we've all been childhood <laughs> friends and like a lot of us like stay or like, like he, like a lot of friends like Brody McSkinning, who I used to do burlaps with, he went away to school in the Kelowna and then he ended up coming back when, and, uh, just got married and bought a house and, uh, a lot of my friends that also have like moved away are like now coming back after they've like created their lives. So it's like, it's just a comfortable, like really like friendly town. It just feels like a little squishy nerf town. Um, we're like plagued with all the same problems that like other resort towns are like housing and, and rentals are horrible and, and uh, whatever property taxes going up and uh, you know, whatever. But we're all super lucky to live here. And I think it's just a comfortable, fun place. And our ski hill is fucking sick. The skiing is just so dope here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like pretty low key. Yeah. So I think, I mean, you got a lot of aspects to you. I think that the, what the ski community knows you most for is obviously like your skiing, but, and your filmmaking. So I'd like to know the origins of both of those. And, uh, whatever you want to put more emphasis on is up to you. If you want to go in super in depth on both of them. But I think, uh, I like the athlete filmmaker combo. I've always liked it in all sports and I think you do it really well. So yeah, I'd like to definitely know where like both of those came from. Well, thanks Ethan. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I think when I was little, like when I was really little, my dad had like this like digital camera that could take like really, really bad videos, like 140, like by 140 videos. Um, and taught me how to use it and then taught me how to use movie maker. He's like, look, you can like, we can like film on this. And then look, you can like make a little video on movie maker. He goes like this. And so he actually taught me how to edit. Like, I never thought about it like that, but he taught me how to edit when I was like nine or 10 or something really little. 
And I just became so obsessed with it. Cause like as a kid, I was obsessed with sports and skiing and like ski movies, especially like we were, we were like, whether it was biking or neural disorder or skiing with like matchstick and, and, uh, and poor boys and all those movies it was just, that was the shit. That was the coolest thing ever was like flying to Japan and going skiing. I like could not believe people got to like experience those things and then bring back a video to show all of like, the viewers and like give us that experience. And so I think that always was like something I was super drawn to. So I was just as a kid, as lots of kids are, and I'm sure kids now have more ability to do this than ever with phones and Insta reels and stuff. But I was like, we would go out and shoot like it'd be the weekend and we would shoot a shitty fisheye video on Saturday. And then we shoot a shitty fisheye video on Sunday. And both of the videos would come out on Monday. And it was just, I was just loading shit onto my Vimeo constantly um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Just was always super drawn to it. And then, um, growing up watching, um, what Eric Pollard was doing with his like life and his career, I was just like, Oh, that's so cool that this group of friends, like I'm, uh, for people that aren't familiar, Eric Pollard did this, um, uh, his crew was called Nimbus and uh, Nimbus independent. And they basically just like made their own videos and they were like some of the first people to start just making their own shit. Cause they used to ride for poor boys or whatever. And then they're like, you know what, let's just make our own cool videos, do our own thing and not have this middleman. Um, and they would put out these like very unique, but also like full length film projects multiple times a year, like 25, like 15, 25 minute long, cool, like, semi-documentary but also just very like fun and tangible and like relatable like uh film things um unfortunately all of them are gone now because vimeo deleted them as well as the burlaps instagram so uh, in following pollard's career my instagram or my vimeo got deleted as well as his vimeo which is fucked um but basically just watching how pollard like created this like world for himself to have control over his own video product and represent skiing in a way that was like fun. And like, it's amazing. And all the tricks are amazing, but it just feels like something that anybody can go out and do. Not because the tricks aren't, the tricks aren't something everyone can go out and do, but anybody can go out and make a video with their friends. And there's like beautiful moments in all of these, no matter what, if it's a cork nine on the fucking Rutherford step down or switch, whatever switch nine. Um, or just like me and my homies in the mammoth droppings doing shitty one eighties. Like we can make these like cool things that are meaningful to us. And then also in turn, probably meaningful to somebody else that would like look up to it. And that's so inspiring to me to like share these moments with other people that are special. And it's not just this, like get out of the helicopter, do a triple backflip and like everyone thinks you're a superhero um, type type media. Um, and that when I was like 20 really kind of started to like develop as we started doing burlaps, um, which was like our old, well, not really old. We've been continuing doing it, but like, there's like our homie video crew. Um, and a lot of times a homie video crew comes off like a homie video crew, like the filming's kind of shitty and like, you know, it's like, whatever, man, like so cool. But the way that Pollard was doing it was so curated and so professional and so like beautiful that we wanted burlaps to look like that. We wanted burlaps to look like 
we were taking it seriously, even though we weren't, we weren't taking the parts, we weren't taking everything seriously, but we took the parts that mattered seriously, like what we were skiing, how we were skiing, the music we were using, the shots had to be like, you know, we were trying to pull focus on clips and trying to like make everything look as high grade as we could um, while just enjoying getting to do it together. And uh, that was what led me to like, I don't know the person I am now. I'm just like a, a guy. I'm a skier guy who makes videos. And that's kind of how I see myself. I think without like being a filmmaker, I wouldn't be a ski athlete. I don't think because uh, I don't know so much of like who I consider myself is through these like films and like just being able to put myself out there and explain my feelings to people through video. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but absolutely yeah, trying to do, trying to, trying to do cool shit. And then the other layer to burlaps that was so, so special to me, was like, like we, it was like me and Josh and Brody and they're like, Josh is my best friend since grade three and his little brother Brody. And it was like the three of us doing it from Fernie. And we like had friends that would come in along the way, but like, it wasn't, Oh, like you're a ripping skier from here and you're a ripping skier from there and our sponsors work out so we can do it, which is a lot, how a lot of stuff works, which is sweet and fine. But it was just the three of us from buttfuck Fernie with terrible snowmobiles and we didn't know how to use them. And we would just drive out the Rutherford on the road and be like, there's a cool cliff. Let's use that. And it was like, just so like naive and genuine and just like, fuck, we were blown away by all these places we got to go. And it was so amazing where so many people that live there or in the industry would just drive right past it. We're all just like, oh my God, I can't believe that this pillow line is just right beside the groomer. This is amazing. And so it was, it was like, I was so proud. Of, I, I, in hindsight, I'm so proud of all the stuff we did together. And we were like such a good crew of like, we had such good, like, decision-making tactics and like the way we worked with avalanche terrain as like young kids that didn't know what we were doing, but like we knew that we didn't know what we were doing and we knew how to like limit our, limit our exposure. And it was like, yeah, it's just, as I get older, I'm like, fuck, we were, we were really, really dialed as a group of friends. It was cool. And it was so special to share that with like these kids I grew up with as like a 10 year old. And then, you know, as you grow up, people have, I mean, large, it's so scary, but like people just have like super traumatic injuries. And then they're like, I don't want to do that anymore. Cause like, I don't, I don't want a snowmobile out with a broken jaw bleeding on my ear ever again. Cause it's terrible and terrifying. And then you grow up and you're like, ah, I can't like, I can't go away for five weeks out of the winter and spend $20,000 of my money. I don't have to like make a fun video anymore. Cause it's just like, you know, it's gnarly. Yeah. How old were you when know? you were doing the burlap video, the burlap videos? I think like, um, well, we started doing them like as like 17 year olds, Brody started doing them. It's basically, it's a play on the, it's a play off of like the, the bear chair. So it's like the fun jump lap chair in Fernie. Um, Brody like would make a video and it'd be like bear laps. And then there'd make another video. Like I was saying how we used to make tons of videos. It'd be like, oh, bear laps, and then, oh, burlaps. And then it just became, and then he made hoodies based off this like silly burlaps joke. And then it like, I kind of, I kind of like started noticing that like the videos that we were making that were like, just what I thought were just stupid and fun and like, whatever, just throw it out there. 
people liked those way more than these like serious videos I thought I was making. And uh, it was way more fun. And Josh and Brody were just like so cool. And I just wanted to do stuff with them because they're just really fun, cool people. Um, and we just tried to put that through in our videos. And then it whatever progressed into doing like more backcountry stuff. And we got snowmobiles. And then we did a couple video contests. And then we made a couple movies. And it was so rad. And it was like, yeah, I'm so grateful I got to do that as like a young adult, probably from like the age of 16 to like 24, 25. Yeah. Right around when I was like 24, 25 is when we kind of like everyone kind of started getting a bit more serious. And then we took a bit of a break from doing burlap stuff. And then it came back when we did uh, a little, uh, little road trip to Nelson video. And then from there we made burlaps football and did a bunch of stuff through the COVID season. Cause the, the season we had during COVID when you weren't allowed to like touch anyone, we're like, okay, well like uh, we were hoping to make a movie that year, which ended up being peace Lily the next year. But um, I'm like, all right, well I'm talking to Connor from line. And I'm like, well, I could just do burlaps all year and do like four of them. What do you think of that? And he was like, yeah, sweet. Sounds great. And so it was like myself so my wife filmed a bunch. Um, Dave Keenan, one of my really good friends, he was so stoked to just like come and ski and ride. And he ended up putting together a bunch of really good clips that season and having a sick, like a sick segment. Uh, Garrett Capel was out. And then that was the last like burlaps movie we did. And I've always just kind of like reserved. I don't know. I think the burlaps will come back and make another movie one day or maybe multiple days. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, burlaps is always like, we don't really have a filmer. It's just like the homies are making the video. And then if it's like, if we have a filmer who's getting like a pro filmer and we have like a production production crew, then it's not really a burlaps anymore. Like a burlaps is about no one really knowing how to film and just trying to use the camera and like, and then I put it together into this thing that looks, looks all sparkly. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Tight. Yeah. So I think, I'm going I'm to ask you a question, but I want to lead into it first. So I think you're probably one of the first like true like big mountain riders or all mountain riders that we've had on the show. We've had a lot of street skiers, a lot of people that aren't like you pretty much. And a big criticism of the type of like, you know, these, these I just call them the TGR type movies is uh, Steve Stepp summed it up well. He was like, a lot of those are just sleeping pill movies. Like I just fall asleep to them and they're just boring. So I want to hear what are your thoughts on like big mountain skiing movies being criticized in that way? And how do you ensure that your videos aren't just like boring, you know, same slow-mo powder slashes for, you know, 40 minutes. Dude, I don't know if you want to get me started. I, I, feel <laughs> I do. Started I want to hear this. it. I want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm all right. I got to be as, not offensive as possible. Nah, let it rip, man. Let um, it rip. They, okay, so here's what I here's my my first criticism of like the big box office fucking movies is they're 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 car commercials. Mm -hmm. They're like a Toyota ad. It's not like a ski movie. It's a Toyota commercial. It's like you're promoting the brands that you are sponsoring the movie. And, and if, especially if they're non endemic sponsors, like sponsors that are outside of the industry, like 
an outfit that you tighten and then it keeps your muscles together. And then all of a sudden you've got like 80 shots of you putting on your muscle shirt in your fucking movie. Like the, 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 the point of the movie is to sell the movie to the brands that paid for the movie. That's like a fundamental issue with the movie. That's like something that no one thinks about when they're watching it. But a lot of times like the TGR movie is made in my opinion to sell the tour. It's not about what are we doing for skiing? What are we like, how is this going to influence kids? How is how is this going to influence like other pro skiers? And how is this going to like change the way or like challenge the way that the industry like is moving along? You know, it's like, if it's a, it's a, if it's not broke, don't fix it thing. And the other thing that no one understands is that pillow lines shoot terribly. They're so gnarly and they're so scary. And every, like, we did a couple shots for Peace Lily. We did like one day of pillow riding and it was the scariest day I had. It felt like I was like, cause I love skiing pillows. Like they're a huge challenge and they're really sick to ski as like an athlete. And you, they're like a puzzle and they're hard. And there's like, it's the highest form of skiing in what that is in Alaska. I think it's really fucking hard, but then you do this crazy thing and you're like, Oh, I could have like just landed wrong and broke my jaw off my knees. But then you look at the clip and it looks like nothing happened. And that's just like, that's just the way it is. So you end up with all these clips that were super gnarly and super hard to do, but they just don't translate. And we shot a day of pillow skiing for Peace Lily. And I was like, fuck, that was so scary. And it looks like shit. I'm not even, it's not even going to make the video. And it's the scariest thing I did all year. So we were like, okay, let's just like do stuff that like is fun and feels cool and looks and like shoots well. And so a lot of times in the backcountry, you're pigeon, you're not pigeonhole, but you're get a bit squeezed by like, all right, well, like it's cloudy. It's kind of bad viz. Like you can only see this line from like right here. So that's the camera angle. And then like homie's going to go tick, 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 tick. But there's all these like minute details in the line that don't come through in the bottom angle. So like you end up with these movies that are boring, but there's lots of crazy shit happening in them. But you can't see it because it's so far away and it just doesn't, you know, when you're watching a street video, you're like, you can see it. You're like 15 feet away. Sometimes you're like a foot away at a fisheye and you can see what's happening. Um, so those are things that I think just plague the ski industry is big, big, huge sponsors that are like, you know, trucks, truck commercial and the, and truck commercials and the lot of backcountry riding. that's like really impressive. It's like so hard to make it translate. Like Kai's stuff, Kai's like crazy follow cam pillow riding, like that shows so well how fucked it is. But then, you know, you end up with this video where everyone's like talking over it the whole time. <laughs> and you're like, ah, I just want to. And I, I, I get, I, I, I like sound like a broken record if you talk to me enough, but like snowboarding is doing such a good job of like representing backcountry riding in like a really cool way where it's like, it's, it's about doing stuff that is aesthetically pleasing, not just like difficult. And like, you'll pick a jump and pick a feature that's like, like Kevin Backstrom's so good at it. He'll pick something that isn't necessarily like the craziest thing ever, but it shoots so well and it puts him in the sky and his style is like, so just like finessed and perfect. And that's how people think about like, you know, street skiing is like, does this look cool? Does this shoot? Well, like I'm not going to jump down this like crazy thing. If it like, you can't even tell 
how big it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if that answers the question. It does. Um, no, I, I agree. It, it does seem like it would be, it would be hard to translate how gnarly it is because it's also like you're working in a much bigger environment and everything looks, if you're in a big environment, everything a, a person is doing looks much smaller, you know, just by comparison. Like if you're surrounded by yeah. tall, tall trees and huge peaks, it's like, well, you just look like a little ant on a big surface. Meanwhile, in a street video, it's like the rail, you know, is like as is like, you know, compared to a human, like it's just it's just easier to understand. So it's just I don't know. I think it's it's definitely a huge disadvantage for you guys. And like, I mean, I think it also gets forgotten. Dude, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it's I, I don't know if our videos are making your like that much more interesting to people that don't understand powder riding. But I, I think that everybody agrees with the, like there's, there's a lot of people that have the exact same perspective of like the, the big long form videos. Like I was talking with somebody last fall and there's this event called Freshable or no, was it IF3? Whatever. Um, I was talking to a friend, like, Oh yeah, I was in, Wherever I went to IF3, I'm like, oh, was it sweet? You have fun? She's like, yeah, it was really fun. Good to see everybody. Fun night out. I don't really like any of the movies, but uh, it was a fun day. And I was like, you didn't like any of the movies? Like, that's really bad if you went to this thing that you're supposed to see these ski movies and the movies are all bad. Like, that happens so much at, like, the traditional ski movie premiere. Like, here's the fourth three things that are out you get the, this one you get that one and then you get the other one and they're all exactly the same but just a different different editing style um and i heard that a lot where people are just like man that movie was so boring and it's like if we keep making boring shitty copycat movies people are going to stop watching movies and that's why people think they don't want want, want to watch movies like is because mm-hmm. there's shitty movies getting made so it's like we all owe it to like each other to make shit that's like different, exciting, and like challenging to like the status quo, like doing stuff, like using music that is like unconventional and like using like just visual theming or camera t- styles that are like at least new and at least like maybe someone won't for sure like it, but you're taking a risk. You're not just saying like, let's get a helicopter and like, we'll fucking use seven red cameras to like explain this big line. Cause everybody's seen that before and everybody like doesn't quite relate to it. Like Nicholas, Nicholas, Nicholas Schumer, he does a great video of making like, he does a great job, sorry, of making like ski mountaineering, like tangible. And you can like understand how like super gnarly it all is. And it brings the viewer in with him instead of it being like this sparkly, like spectacle of super human athleticism on the screen. I just think that that's not like necessarily like motivating to get you like out on your skis or on your snowboard. If you're like, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I that's, that's a, a big issue. with it. That's another big criticism is like heli, heli skiing is not relatable. You know, like if you haven't done it, it's not a relatable experience. And it's a flex too. Like I, you hear it in the industry so much. You're just like, Oh, you know, I need more heli budget. Oh, I got heli budget. Oh yeah. Like I'm getting out in the heli and like, it's like, so it's so easy to feel proud of yourself when you're like using a helicopter because it costs money and people that don't know 
it's a really it's a really clear marker of success if a brand is investing in you to use a helicopter because everyone knows everyone no no one knows but everyone knows how expensive helicopters are you know what i mean like they know that a helicopter is like is a thousand bucks an hour and like this person's so sick that our tariffs is going to give them a helicopter and it's like a, it's an easy way to feel successful if you're using expensive devices to like go skiing and that's totally fair like i think that's nothing whack about that but everyone gets like you know you you want to feel especially as an athlete, you want to feel like you're a cool guy and you've got like, you're successful and people are like stoked on what you're doing and like using heli skiing is it's amazing. And it's obviously the sickest way to ski to backcountry by far. Um, but yeah, like, is it something that's going to relate to the viewer and is it an, e- it's, it's, it's an easy way to, yeah, it's fucking gnarly though. Like if you're going down a heli with a, like like i'll use cooch and cole as a perfect example like those guys when they go out skiing together it's it must be i don't know probably not scary for them because they're crazy but like it's insane the shit they're doing like they're going out and doing like just like first hit 60 foot double backflips off of like spine lips and stuff like that and just like like very genuinely like risking their lives so like the the level they're riding at is so just mind-blowing the like athleticism the mental strength and everything that those athletes are like putting out there is so fucking sick and then it sucks to see like their footage get kind of made into something that is somehow uninteresting Mm -hmm. with editing yeah and it's like the there's like, that's where like people love Brady parent stuff so much like what mango does like it's so like well done to like bring you into the way that the vibe was like, I just watched this trailer and like the amount of like, just super quick, like him, his, his reactions after landing stuff. And like, just the way that you can tell him and his friends interact, like that comes through in like a 55 second trailer. And that's like, that's what, it's not what makes it, but like without people knowing it, like that's what makes it. Like there's a saying like the B roll makes the A roll. That's, that's like, a huge part of the video like and if you think about like your favorite ski video or as a kid like is it for some people it's tricks that remember that make you remember it but for some people it's like oh i like remember this one shot of like like in a nimbus video like this one shot of like a, a chairlift with the light behind it and just like things like that that like that are so burnt into your memory it's the experience of the film it's not just what happens in the film yeah. And, uh, some people, some people, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. Some people need a helicopter to go out and do the shit they're doing. Like Sammy and stuff like Sammy, Cole, Cooch, those guys are like kind of, they're pretty much like the leaders right now. They're, they're the ones that are doing it. Um, and doing it the best. And if you get a good day of weather and you go out <laughs> in a helicopter and you're Sammy Carlson, you might get 12 shots, which is fucked and finish your whole part. But, um it's just it's just the sometimes uh the skiing becomes like really unrelatable mm-hmm. because no one can go do that yeah kind of a convoluted answer about no but i think i think you should Big respect to those guys doing it yeah the b-roll is important and i remember like 
when I was younger, I was making videos all the time, just like like kind of what you were describing. It was just like, oh, film and then like film on the weekend, put it out on Monday. And uh, and I would get like feedback from like the older kids at the mountain and they'd be like, oh, you should have more B-roll. But it's like we were just like we were like young teenagers. So we were all too insecure to either shoot B-roll or be comfortable being in B-roll and not feel like it was forced. Like, have you ever had that experience? It was just like, damn, the B-roll is important, but like, I don't want to fuck up being at the bar by having my camera out. Like, I'd rather just enjoy the moment. Like, I don't want to be on camera right now. Let's just sit and hang out. Yeah, that is, that's, I feel like that's such a dip. That's, that's something I'm lucky with is like, I am never the person that's like, like, oh, let's just have a, f- a fun lap. Like, I'm like kind of relentless a little bit. Um, and it takes a certain personality to be like, oh, I'm going to bring the, the camera to the rave because, like, there's going to be a five-second clip that's cool. But that's where, like, shooting with, like, I guess I don't have it, but, like, shooting with different cameras these days is really nice. Like, I have, like, a piece of shit little point shoot that is so like, easy to have in my pocket. And the clips look worse than an iPhone, but it's, like, the aesthetic is cool. But, yeah, I think in shooting B-roll, like, my goal as a filmer when I'm doing it is trying to just capture moments that are like just no one knows they're being filmed or no one cares that they're being filmed and just like rolling the camera and trying to capture like natural moments. It's like when you start to be like, okay, and walk. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it one more time. That's like, that's how you get shitty B roll. You know what I mean? Like it's a, and if you watch all these, all, all the videos that I'm like in love with, it's like, like all the stuff that Arthur Longo does and all the stuff that Blake Paul does, it's like the B-roll and the, the, the vibe of the video just comes through. Like it's actually like happening and there's just someone happened to capture it. And that's the point of filming shit is to like capture magic that's happening in the world and then relive it and share it with other people. Um, that's what I think as far as like making ski films, making ski films should be approached like from a documentarian approach and not, not a theatrical approach. I think that's how you end up with the best like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just I'm now realizing just talking to you how important B-roll is cuz I just think back on all these movies that I love and I'm like it's the B-roll that sets the tone for the ski clip. Like it provides context for what's going on cuz cuz otherwise it's just ski porn. It's like I've seen a million clips in my life. I've seen a million tricks. But if I know the context of it, like if you see like a genuine clip of someone being like absolutely terrified to do something prior to seeing the clip, just as a, like a standard example, you appreciate the clip more because you know what was going through their mind rather than just seeing the clip and being like, oh, he's just a superhero that, you know, doesn't care. You know, it adds yeah, a lot. Totally. It doesn't matter to him. Yeah. And uh, the bunch has been really good at that. The bunch has gone like deep in that direction where like their stuff is like so like like did you watch the audi nines video the bunch made i don't remember if i watched that i did, like i saw obviously i see that stuff's posted but i don't think i watched it it's so long and, bre- and breathy but like it's really cool like there's there's just like so all this like fully raw shots of them like seeing the course for the first time at like 6 a.m in blue hour and like just like the real experience that's like more than just behind the scenes it's like a clip that would have been on instagram for five seconds they'll run it for like two minutes and you just fully see like how like hackles like digesting the place and then they cut to this like very like strange representation of audi nines and it was it was 
that's another example of like, I love when a video is like taking a risk and like doing something that maybe isn't going to be like a guaranteed, like, like whatever the, 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 the usual, like cool way to make it, you know what I mean? Like, let's do something that's maybe not exactly what's exciting and loud and the songs may be subdued. And it's, it's just like a, it's a risk. It's cool when people take risks because it's, uh, yeah, if you're doing something artistic and you should be trying to take risks. Yeah. I think I like every style of filmmaking and I think that the bunches gets criticized because it, it does have a ton of B roll and it does, it is drawn out, but like they do kind of get into like that surrealist style of filmmaking where it's like, like this isn't just your standard ski edit. Like they're real, they're really trying to do something. They're they're trying and succeeding in doing something very different from everybody else. Yeah, I, I like I, whenever I'm watching a video like that. Like, and there's shots that are like too long. I'm like, oh, this shot is way too long. And like, I know they know that. And I like love that they decided to do that to be like, no, this is this is what we're doing. And like, this is like, it, it, it's like, kind. it's just like, we, we don't give a fuck what it's supposed to be. This is what it is because this is what we want it to be. You know, it's like, yeah. like, uh, there's this movie called, um, soft sense of feeling things. It's a, it's a snowboard movie by Christian Haller. Um, and one of the segments is like a three minute method in a half pipe at like a thousand frames a second, just one clip, barely moving of a method and it's like way too long and it's like crazy that they just did that as a full fucking segment in the movie but it's like a it's just like uh it's like an artistic you know it's like you're they're they're exercising their artistic license is what i think and it's uh it's just cool to see people like just being like mm, fuck it i'm doing it like this because that's what that's what's going to be the more or like how it's going to create this vibe that I'm going for, even though it might be uncomfortable. Bride and Bally does that too. Bride and Bally is really good with like challenging norms. And like, um, he has a movie called, um, sense, uh, how dark blue feels. That was like a hugely motivational video to me. Um, the opening segment is like this, like very soft, like girl singing, like drowny, like, pretty emo song the whole soundtrack is like so emotional and like not what you would use for a street video um and it's like just taking chances and be pushing like what is like normal and i think that that's super cool and i mean there's room for all sorts of videos in in every sport but i'm personally motivated and drawn by people that are like drawn to things that are like i don't know yeah just challenging the normal i guess yeah. Do you think that, um, and I, I don't, uh, if you don't have a, if you don't have a really well thought out answer, I don't blame you, but like, do you think that people getting into filmmaking should learn the basics first before they try to kind of break barriers? You know, cause it's like, well, how do you know you're breaking like, a barrier? How do you know you're breaking a barrier if you don't even know like what the fundamentals are? I wish I remembered this. There is like a, whatever, these like, it was uh, a famous director interview talking about something. And he was talking about how uh, there's a quote. I wish I had this quote on hand, but I don't, but I, I actually think that if you don't know anything about filming, like 
or like the, 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 the quote unquote, like rules of filmmaking, especially when you're making like action sports stuff. Like it's almost better if you like don't, don't have a foundation because you, you will be more likely to make something that's like unique. And that, and that's what's super cool. If you're going to try and make it a job, like, yeah, like learn the fundamentals and like, I think it's important to learn how your camera works and how to like use it and like have the settings correct. So you're not making something that looks actually bad, like just having your shutter speed, right. And like understanding color temperature, um, and understanding frame rates and how to like export your, and make your films with the correct frame rates to like give you the look you're looking for. Um, but as far as like the box of what a film should be, if you like don't know what that is, then you're like more likely to just do what is in your heart and you're not like motivated by like structure because but that's if you're trying to make something that's artistic and cool. And I, I, I always say I love using footage from people that like don't really know how to film or they're not like trained filmers. Like they can film and they can like operate the camera, but they're not like trained to be like, okay, I need to be here. And then I'm going to super nicely move to here. And then, but they, they take chances that are like maybe sketchy and then you can work with that footage and then like create something that's like really unique out of this, like, basically shitty footage that, well, maybe not shitty footage, but, you know, technically like incorrectly done um, and make something unique. Like, like uh, Reed is Reed. His style of filmmaking is extremely unconventional. Um, fuck, I don't know his last name. Reed MF. Like, you know, Reed who has been doing all the, uh, all the uh, Jib League stuff yeah. and he does cold stuff and he's working with Max Moffat. So like Reed style, like you're not supposed to like film the in run upside down and be zoomed in and like zoom out and spin and twist and then like do all this crazy stuff with the shots. Like you're supposed to shoot with like a glide cam and like be all squared up and nice and create a parallax. And, but then you end up Reed style is so unique and it's creating another gener- like genre of ski filming. That's almost like, it's almost like Swiss iPhone inspired, but like with an HVX in like a professional way. And, and so you, you know, the fucking artistry of our sport moves along instead of getting, you know, whatever boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's some like fundamentals that are important for like a video to make sense. Like, I think that the concept of the closing segment being the best one is important. Cause when you have a video, like, and I only see this really in like super amateur, like starter videos, but it's like when all the bangers are front loaded and then the video kind of just becomes progressively less exciting and just kind of pitters out at the end, like that always leaves you not feeling good. Like regardless of what's happening in the video, like if it doesn't end on a high note, it's kind of like, wow, like I love the beginning of that and I get, and it completely lost me after that. That's funny. Yeah, that's, that's funny you say that because I mean I don't know I don't really know how our last video piece Lily was received because people are just nice you know like mm-hmm. you like people that are around you are just nice but I purposely put an like an anti banger at the end like the ending segment is like the most the most mundane but I tried to I think build the like build the the sentiment up at the end as far as like almost like a sentimental rise. Mm-hmm. where like it feels like something that makes you want to be skiing and then yeah it shows a i think that the last shot in the movie is a fucking safety grab mm-hmm. 
as like almost like a protest to that to that style of like a traditional style ender and also i think i mean like i couldn't i can fucking polish it up and make it make it sound as cool as i want but maybe it's just because i didn't have an ender (laughs) but it's it's just didn't have any fucking bangers yeah but i I don't know maybe it's just like traditional story structure where it's like uh I don't know. Like you still tried to end it on like a a, a conclusory note where it's like like yeah, yeah, like totally. in summary because that's basically what a closing segment is saying. Like in summary, we're sick as fuck, and look at our look at like look how sick we are, and that's like the the last you know memory of the movie. But if you end it on something sentimental, it's like well, that's maybe the movie isn't about how sick we are. It's about something we're like we're still sick, but it's that's not the focus of it. Like there's a deeper story going on, you know. So no, but I yeah, feel like no, if you, that's, that's yeah, a good point. That's a that's a good analyzation of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so uh, fun, man. Yeah, videos are so fun. I don't know if I've had the opportunity to sit down and uh, talk this in depth with someone about it, but uh, I fuck, I'm a nerd, dude. I like, I'm like a loser. I thank God, like my wife Soph is like super into doing this as well, and in the right like the right time of year, especially in the winter, like our our mornings are spent just like coffees multiple videos talk about what we like like, talk about what we don't like why we don't like why we do like and it's just like way too deep of like analyzing what's why something is cool and why it like makes us feel a certain way and like what direction is like a cool way to go with the thing i'm fucking trying to do and like why yeah it's fun it's like i don't know it's it's fun to use that part of your brain yeah i've been trying and trying to open that up in the last like five years of just trying to really accept accept myself as like a creator and not just an athlete because i think I, I was really nervous before to like tell people i filmed especially when i didn't feel like my athlete career was like very established because when you're like a, a young kid and you're like skiing but you're filming and you're skiing you're filming it's like people are like well which one are you you're one or the other and if you're filming too much they're like oh this filmer is a good skier you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so i was always nervous to like put myself out there as a filmer and now that i feel i guess i feel like maybe it's just more comfortable in myself i'm like more likely to yeah just talk about the fact that i like care a lot about filming and then filming is filming is probably the most consistent thing in my life Mm -hmm. did you watch the uh did you ever see i don't even know if it was available in canada but the three the three episode kanye west uh netflix documentary oh yeah i forgot it's called and it's like his homie filming him as a kid. Yes. Yeah. That is like the yeah. best example of what you were just describing where he was a producer and then he's like, Oh, I also am a rapper. And they're like, no, we're keeping you in the producer box. Like, like stay in your lane, Ooh. your producer. That's it. Yeah, no, that's uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally compare anything I've done to what Kanye does. <laughs> seems fairly hubris <laughs> but no it's it would be exactly the same thing and i was just like yeah conscious of that and now i think it's uh, there's uh, there's also a few athletes that have been like or like whatever people that have been super like uh motivational to me just from afar like and maybe be like okay i could be a filmer and a writer like christian regal he's a bmx filmer who's also uh used to be a professional bmxer now he's a professional mountain biker and a professional filmer and he does all these things kind of symbiotically and just like watching him exist in like my opinion of his place in biking and as a filmer and as an athlete. And I just like, I'm like, okay, well like 
I think what he's doing is super cool. And it's like my own insecurities about my own career are maybe inaccurate to the way people on the outside would see it. And I'm just maybe being a little, little wimp about it. <laughs> um, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people with like dueling identity struggle with. It's like, I don't know. It's easier if you don't just slap, go around trying to slap labels on everything. It's like, you know, there's room, there's room for gray areas in life where it's like, yeah, I'm an athlete and I also film. And sometimes I'm better. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm a better athlete than I am a filmer. And sometimes I'm, be- I'm a better filmer than I'm an athlete. It depends on the day or like the, the month or the season, you know, so it, it's always in flux. Yeah. And it's nice to like, especially with biking, because biking sucks when you crash, but like shooting a video where I'm like riding a lot. And then I went to, and then doing a video where you're kind of just more focused on shooting. It's like nice to take a break from doing both. And it's nice to take a break from like being afraid and like eating shit and not wanting to get hurt because it's painful. (laughs) Um, It's nice to take a break, but you're still like doing it and you're still like having the same experience of like making a sick video, but you know, you're not like, Oh, I hope I don't break my wrists. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude, that is that is the singular reason why I have not gone into mountain biking. It's just falling on dirt with a bike sucks really bad. And uh, I think that slope style riders, like and mountain bikers, it's like skiing is so safe in a way compared to what those guys are doing. Like big mountain skiing and street riding are two different they're different because it's like the crashes that can happen when you're big mountain skiing are like they can be like very 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 bad um but on street riding the ground is made of concrete um but like hitting a backcountry jump you can just be like woo and take it to your butt and like hot tub and you're like floof no problem like i'm i'm fine like i'm bombed i didn't land it but if you were like doing a bike trick and you're like, oh, I'm just going to like land on my butt. Like you're just never going to walk again. You're like going to blow your hips up and die. And it's like, yeah, it's super gnarly. Like you don't see, you don't see anybody in like the, like in X games very often. I'm sure this happens, but it's not like super common for someone to like, oh, whoops, didn't have enough speed. And he snapped both his femurs and dislocated his hip on the last jump, mm-hmm. you know, but that's like totally what happens in biking all the time. Or you're just like, you're like, oh, whoops, sorry, Tarkata. You like snap your legs at the last feature of Crankworks this year. That sucks. Hope you're, hope you're okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, am I out of the loop? Like, are people breaking their legs at slope style in the X Games? It's just every, th- every time I learn about other action sports, I'm like, damn, we're a bunch of pussies in skiing. Like, we have it so good. We land on these nice soft surfaces like 90% of the time. And honestly, pe- people take big injuries, but I feel like not as common as any sport that involves concrete or dirt. It's just like, it's way more high consequence when you don't have snow. To, really you so know, much of skiing injuries are like, at least in my genre of skiing, it's like your body like collapsing on itself or like hitting yourself with your knees and breaking your whatever, or like landing your knee tweaks and like your body's weight fucking with the rest of your body. But if you just land in a nice way, it's like, the the ground is soft, so you can like kind of pull your legs up as if you're landing on an airbag. In like, you know, like hitting a backcountry jump, skiing slush, that kind of stuff. But I mean, you start tomahawking down like a spine wall. That's a totally different type of crash. That's mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You have no idea what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Um, all right. Wow. We just talked about filmmaking for like so long. Let's, uh, I love that. I personally love that so much. There's a couple other aspects of you that I want to cover without making this a four hour long episode. So let's jump around a little bit. Um, so talking about success as a skier now, you were in super unknown in 2015, I believe. And you went to the finals. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to talk about that a little bit in your experience? I think that's something that, you know, growing up, everyone kind of watches Super Unknown. So I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that are like, oh, I remember when he was in it that year. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Super Unknown was sick. I was, I almost didn't go. I like didn't even want to go. I was so intimidated and like, I'm like, I can't go to a park thing like that. I, I don't know how to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. I think I, I entered it and was like, yeah, this is, this will be cool. This video is cool and hopefully they see it and they like it. But, and then I actually made it, which was really surprising and then almost didn't go. And then Berman's like, you should probably come. And I'm like, okay, I should probably go. And it was the best week. It was like so fun to like meet everybody And down the road. It's been sick to like, cause I think the super unknown I was at, there was like a lot of like six dudes at it. Like Jonah was there and Ben and Ethan and, um, Bendik is now a line athlete like Bendik Oy. He's awesome. And it's just like made so many and like Gabe Taub, who he's not doing so much ski stuff anymore, but he was really cool to meet. And there's just like a lot of but Bishop was there. There's like a lot of like people I got to meet that a decade later is like, I don't know. It's these, it's so cool to, to get to have gotten to know those people. Cause I just live in Fernie and like, I tango with my friends. Like I, there's not, a, like I said, there's not a ton of ski industry here. Um, so any opportunity to meet other people is like really awesome. Um, and then basically I just <clears throat> suck at skiing park. And the first time we were hitting the jump on like day one, I just screwed it up and cased it and like bruised my heel, like super badly, but I'm also like really ADD and like, I can't just like sit and watch. And I love skiing on one foot because it's just fun and then i ended up just like cruising around to like hang out with everybody because i didn't want to feel like i was missing out on my one ski but i'm like oh I'll, i could probably like i could probably hit the knuckle <laughs> and then i start like seshing the knuckle as we're lapping and then i'm like oh, i'm really bored and i would like go ride the public park and I'm like oh the public park's pretty fun i can kind of slide rails and then i ended up just like skiing as much as possible on my one ski just because it was like but I was bored or like not bored, but like I didn't want to be bored. And I'm like, I think deep down I'm like extremely competitive, but like in like a non-competition type way, I just like want to go like be with like someone does something sick. I'm like, fuck, I want to do something cool too. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was, a, it was just really fun and uh, a pleasure to like get to go to that part of the world and um, ski those places. Cause I, I don't know. I never would go there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to Corinthia for, anything other than something like that and it really like opened my like eyes to like wow park skiing is like really fun in different places but um that was like a weird stressful part of time of my life too because i was like i don't know you don't know what the future brings and like you want to be able to like like i have always dreamed of like being in like a level one movie as a kid like a not like seriously really dreaming about it though because it's so far-fetched and like the guys that are in those films are so good and the stuff they're doing is so like beyond what I could fathom. Um, 
So I was like very like anxious to like maybe be like close to this like opportunity. And I like didn't want to screw it up. And I wanted to like try as hard as I could to like get in those opportunities. Unfortunately, it never worked out uh, to like actually do anything with level one. But um, that brought me to like a place of like making my own films. And uh, I think that there's been a lot of things in my life that like at the time I would have loved to do them. But if I did go and end up having like these level one segments, I don't think I would have been ready for it. And also it wouldn't have made me have to learn how to make my own movies. And I wouldn't be like who I am today. Maybe I would have done like two seasons of that, got burnt out and not wanted to do it anymore. So it's like the, the, like the less opportunity I think I was given as a kid, like made me have to like create it for myself. And uh, ultimately I'm like more happy with the place I'm at now than like if I, I don't know, worked at the mine and didn't want to ski anymore. Yeah. I'd say, Which I'd, is, say I'd say you're good. Your setup is pretty good. Like I think um, who was saying the same thing? Like uh, Mitchell Brower was saying the same thing in an episode that might come out before yours. It might come out after yours. I'm not sure how we're going to release them, but he was like, yeah, nobody wanted to film us. So me and my brother just started filming ourselves. And it's like, I feel like you learn so much more. It's like you're spearheading your own dreams, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's something that like I, when I'm talking to homies that are younger, they're like in their twenties, I'm like, oh man, like all this stuff that you feel like you're missing out on, like is what's going to teach you how to like maintain your career for like, till you're done doing it. Like it's, it's a shame when people's careers end before they want them to end. And if you have like a bigger toolkit of like, ways to create opportunities for yourself then you can be in charge of your own destiny more you don't have to rely on somebody else to like invite you to do what you're doing you know what i mean like we're not hockey you know like you don't have to be drafted by the team to make it like you can go out and do whatever you want if you know how to do it yeah it's good to not wait for permission sometimes the best thing you could do is just give yourself permission you're like I want to be in the ski movie and no, no production company is going to give me permission. Perfect. I'll be my own production company. And it's uh, I think it's a brave thing to do. And I think you'll learn a lot when you give yourself permission and then spearhead your own efforts. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's exactly kind of how it was, how it went. The blondes are another crew that was like that, like uh, Tanya, Emily and Janelle, like they're, uh, they're like one of the most dope group of backcountry skiing girls ever and they just moved to revy and they're like why aren't why isn't there any like girl crews like why aren't there any girls making videos like let's buy a sled and they like all teamed up bought their own sled bought a camera made their own videos and like got out there and did it themselves and now they're like fully like stars you know Mm -hmm. they've got their own two two year movie project coming out this fall and they're like been in matchstick movies for years and they like, like have like all these amazing experiences and opportunities and they've also proven that like like dude just go buy a sled like it doesn't matter who you are or what like just go buy a sled make your own thing it's sick mm. and it, if you put it the work in it'll pay off yeah i think uh it's just a great that's just a great thing i've done that a lot in my life lately of just like giving myself permission not lately past few years and it's just uh every every time i've done that it's just it's paid off so much like at the very least you're learning a lot you know, even if it's not successful, you just learn so much by just doing it on your own. Yeah, and it's like if you it's just like if you want to do something and you like say you want to like be in a band, it's like just learn 
like you just start working on it. Like if you are digging a hole every time, like it might take you five years, but you keep digging, you're going to end up with a big enough, like a big hole. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, one, one thing at a time, it might take a long time, but if you want to be in a band and you start learning guitar and then you start putting yourself in a position where you're playing with others. And then before you know it, like five or eight years has gone by and you're like actually doing it and you have, you can, you can get to the place you want to be if you work on it, but if you just don't do it, then you'll never get there. The only way, the only way you can guarantee yourself failure is if you quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very nice. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of other professional success in skiing, uh, when did the sponsors start coming in and like, when did you start seeing success in that way? Um, I've been riding for lines since I was like 14. So that's like what I'm 30. It's like 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started riding for line somehow, um, as like a grom. I like, um, sent in like one of, one of the ski patrollers here, like a family friend. He, um, he was like, he was friends with the line rep and I would like love line so much. And he was like, Hey, the line guy is looking for like a local kid to sponsor. Like you should send in your video. And he gave me his email and I sent in my like, I think I sent in like two promo videos. I'm like, I have this one and I also have this one. And they're like both the same, but different. Um, I, I don't know what made him. And I think I had a little like resume. I don't know what made him decide to put me on the program because my shit was really bad. Like I was not good at all. Um, and I would just constantly like send him all these horrible videos we were making and just like, be like, I made this one, I made this one, I made this one. And they were really bad. Like, and just continue being on the program. I, I don't know. Ken must have just saw how like much I wanted to do it or something. Um, and then that kind of, for my teen years, I was dealing through a local rep. And uh, he was super cool and got me involved with having like a relationship with Dalbello, a relationship with Marker, a relationship with Scott Goggles at the time, which then transitioned into Smith. Um, and then as it goes, like, you know, you talk to the regional guy and then a couple of years go by and then you start talking to the Canadian guy and then a couple of years go by and then I was talking to Malchek. And then, um, when I was like, maybe like 20, I think I got invited to like one of the first team shoots and basically my whole like sponsorship career, I think has always been like very centered around line and like what line is doing. And that's the company, like, that's my, like, I don't know. I think of that company as like a, like a form of family like i'm completely like committed to line forever you know like i there's no like maybe i'll switch to vocal man like it could be a bigger contract like it's nothing like that i just am so proud that i get to like be a part of this company and this like this brand and this place in skiing that i like looked up to like way too much as a kid and I, it's like it's baffling to me that i get to be involved in in this capacity and with these people and like, it's, it just, it's, it doesn't, yeah. I, I always felt like I didn't like, I was like a little, like a little grom of the shoots constantly. And then it's like finally crazy to feel like I'm like, Oh, well, I'm actually part of this. So mm-hmm. when I was like 15, I was just like really committed to doing like free ski comps and stuff. I did world tour comps a little bit. And then I was like, ah, I can't really do any of the tricks I want to do in these contests. Cause it's like, you can't really land switch. You can't like all the tricks I want to do. I can't just I can't just do a five into like pow or like chop landing, like first try. 
And it's like all the stuff I want to do that Pollard is doing is with snowmobiles. And it's like with in the backcountry, and it's like on camera. And it's like about like shooting it from a cool place that looks cool and not just trying to beat other people with like my stunts. Um, but yeah, I basically started riding for line as a little kid and then was madly obsessed with it. And a lot of my sponsors I've had for a long ass time, like I've been known with Dalbello for like, yeah, like 12 years, 13 years. And then Smith for almost 10 years. Stellar is only three years so far, but Stellar is another one where I just want to like, I don't know. I like having brands that I can feel like committed with beyond like a contract term or something where it's not like I'm trying to switch it up for new budget man or like this, like this brand is so hot right now. Like I'll be getting with this. It's more about like who, who is like interested in the product that I can provide and like who wants to support it. And that's like the most important thing. And that's like with stellar in line, especially they're like, they're, they're just trying to facilitate the athletes they have and line is such a like team centered brand. Like they have been kicking ass in the last like three years of like how much involvement they have, like how much they involve the team in their brand and how much they like draw from the team to like decide how they're going to represent themselves, what they're going to make, like what they're going to do for videos, what they're going to do for skis, graphics. It takes a long time because making products takes years. Um, but it's like really awesome that like uh there's so much transparency i feel like between the athletes to the brand and i i I hope that's like the way that a lot of the team feels and it's not just like a unique experience i have but you know like i don't think i don't think that like head is gonna change the size run and flex pattern of their new prototype powder ski fucking on the fly because a certain athlete would rather not have a 188. He wants to have a 183. You know what I mean? They're not going to like reset everything just because like the team wants this. And that's like line will be like, Oh, you don't like that size. Okay. Well let's try and figure out what do you like in that size? Oh, you don't like the flex. Okay. Well let's what kind of flex. And they'll like kind of change their, the way that they do their prototypes to help make a ski that we actually love to the best of everyone's ability, you know, like, you, you know, you try your best to make this product and this, this thing and this song is art or whatever. And it's like getting it to be exactly perfect is really difficult, but they're down to try and make the skis very much be what the athletes want them to be. And like, they are so good at fitting that into like what the market needs. Like the optic is a good example. Like, the, they, they made it so we would love it and it does what we wanted it to do, especially like that ski should not be something I like because I like swervy, like backwards landing skis, but it's like a metal laminate freestyle powder ski. It's so sick because they took our input and gave it a twin tip and gave it this and did that. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it is quite genuine. All the stupid stuff we say about the skis is, is quite genuine. <laughs> yeah that was not a script that that uh dylan was reading off of that was from the heart right there but um yeah, no it's it's super cool and they care a lot they care a lot about style and they care a lot about aesthetic and like attitude and uh what we're doing for skiing and like where we're taking skiing and like because it, it's up to the it's up to the people that are doing all the stuff to make skiing not lame 
you know, where like, as whether people want to think about it like that or not, like if you're a professional ski athlete, you're like a steward of the sport. You have to like make, make, do things and take actions and make steps to make skiing what you think it should be. And not just like something that is like toxic and evil and bad and like too, too cheap or else we'll lose what we have as a sport. And I think snowboarding has been so good at staying like authentic and dope and like not letting people grab Tindy and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, let's do some viewer questions. <clears throat> we'll do some viewer questions before you run too long. Um, Cause there's a few of them. So the first one I want to propose to you, even though I feel like we've already had a couple, do you have any hot takes that you're just dying, dying to get out into the world? Too many rules. Everyone's, everyone's way too worried about where everyone's mounting their skis. Just because you mount your skis in a weird spot doesn't make you like, like bad or dumb. Like it, 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 there's, you can do, you can have freedom of ski choice to complement what you're trying to do with your ski. Same with bikes. Like bikes are too big. Like I'd ride a small bike. I like, I ride a size medium bike and I'm six foot two, but it just does the, what I want it to do. And I ride my powder skis and my metal laminate free ride skis at dead center. Cause they do what I want them to do. And it's like, I've gotten to a place where I'm like, no, I don't like when the skis mounted back. I've tried it. I can't do the things I want to do with it. And people are too caught up in like, what the industry standard is and what the rules are to like expand or not expand, but just like try weird shit to fit their own personal interests. Mm-hmm. Good take. And it's, that, that's it. That, that's, I have way too many hot takes, but <laughs> all right, well, here's a, here's a different interpretation. Want. Here's a different interpretation of that same question. Concrete knees asked, uh, what is the worst trend in skiing? Um, that's a classic question. Um, bad music in movies, maybe. It's not the worst trend in skiing, but using using really bad licensing music is a bad trend because it's making people not like ski movies. I don't know, bad bad movies. Nice. Maybe no. I don't know. What's a what's a what's the worst thing in skiing? Ah, I know. The the worst trend in skiing is um uh old skiers shitting on snowboarding and like being a snowboarder. It's like not something that we do, but it's something that like heli ski guides do or like parents on a traverse if there's like a person on a snowboard trying to get somewhere and they go oh and they like are pissed because someone's trying to like get somewhere and their their feet are fucking glued together i think that's that's a that's something i'm constantly disappointed in skiing and skiers is like just the like it's like how is this okay to like talk about how snowboarders are less than us because they do a sport that's the exact same but it's just slightly different yeah yeah there you go all right um let's see here's a funny one 
or it's just funny because of what he says at the end. Nick said, what's your favorite city slash town to ski in? Also favorite city or town to bike in. And then he directs this at me. He goes, about damn time you did this episode. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, Vancouver. Vancouver's my favorite place, like my favorite city to ski in. Because it's like, it's uh, it's just like warm there all the time. And then you you go you're like in green grass then you can go up to mount seymour and it's like a powder day and everything's a half pipe but it's very cool that's probably my favorite place to like my favorite city to ski in and my favorite place to bike is probably sun peaks or hmm yeah sun peaks is is amazing it's like a bike park in Kamloops. it's a ski resort as well yeah. But yeah, some pieces is the best, best bike park in the world. Cool. Uh, Raf Diaz asked, how does mountain biking culture compare to ski culture? Oh, it's so different. Um, mountain biking is extremely gnarly. Uh, I find that people that like are like pro mountain biker kids, like especially slope kids are like, they're, they're like, they have like demon mode. They have like such a heavy demon mode. Um, and, uh, mountain biking, uh, Mountain bikers are not as supported as artists as snow athletes are. Like it's very competition focused and very race focused. And if you're just trying to make something like, if you're trying to make like a cool, a cool career out of like making bike videos, like there isn't really a lane for that yet, but it's, I think it's, it's something that's new and it's coming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you can be, there's not a ton of mountain bike Arthur Longos, you know what I mean? Like there's like, you, you're, you're like, you're kind of got to like, are you winning slope style? No. Okay. Then we can't offer you much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's a really small world mountain biking. Like I think, I think that like the, the, the riders, everybody knows each other. Everyone's like, everyone's meet you go to crankworks and like everybody's there and everybody's hanging out and it's like everyone knows everyone mm-hmm. but even, even more so than like the ski community you think yeah i think so yeah mm-hmm. uh it's just a smaller world yeah it's a small it's a way smaller world and uh mountain bike video mountain bike video standards are insane it's like if you're not shooting on a red then nobody everyone's like oh i don't give a shit they're like you don't have a red mounted to a lexus that's got a crane hanging off of it or like a side by side with a crane or a zip line and like you haven't spent like 50 to 80k on your video project that's three minutes long like that's industry standard in biking where that's like a huge outlier in skiing for like big fancy things like that um but in spiking it's coming it's changing because uh there's like lots of kids that are taking that like zoot space style and bringing it into biking and it's sick it's like really sick biking's about to change a lot i think in the next five years Mm. it's like it's like a five years to ten years behind skiing like we had like like when there was like the the simon and tanner like battle at x games when we were kids you know and it was like oh who's gonna win and like can't wait to watch x games because like tanner and simon dumont like they're gonna battle it out and then when i was like 10 years later there was like brandon and brett like battling in slope style and then when those guys kind of like both retired the slope style turned into what x games turned into after 
Simon and Tanner. You know what I mean? Like it just became a little bit more like, like the drama got wasn't as built up between the rivalries and it just became a little more like a, like people competing. And uh, that's what's happened in slope style. Yeah. You need but, to have, you need to have the storylines for people to care. They need, you know, otherwise it's just competition. If you don't care about the storylines and who the hell cares what happens, you know, like those iconic, like iconic event moments. That's like what we're in it for, you know, like, yeah, we need and, the story. And Emil has won. I think he's won like, fuck. I wonder what the stat is. Like he's won like 10 or 11 contests in a row. Like, like over the last like five years, I don't think he's lost a contest mm-hmm. and it's insane. That's like tennis. Um, he's like, like the same four guys insane. in tennis have won everything for like the past, like, I don't even know, 20 years or something ridiculous like that. 12th win. 13th win. Maybe he's won like just an insane amount, an insane amount of events um, in a row. He's just completely unbeatable. And I don't think anyone will beat him until he retires. Mm-hmm. He's just like, and he's better than everyone. Nuts. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah got a couple, nuts. I, I got a couple quick hitter questions for you. Um, let's do, we'll keep them. We'll, let's, there's, everyone loves to ask the, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that questions? Uh, Dan Brown, he asked, Newfound Glory or Blink 182? Oh, probably Blink. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, prob- probably Blink. Man, that's so tough. I, I I do love Blink so much, but I do love Blink with Newfound Glory too. I'm more into Newfound Glory right now. Yeah, but Blink is just like a good a good old a good old Blink song. You're like, oh damn! And I love how Blink will just be on at like a restaurant, and there'll be like a random like super old track, and you're like, oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, right. hi Dan. Great question. Yeah. Eggs for morgues, samurai sushi or Yamagoya? Morgues, that's mean. Samurai. Yeah, no, it has to be samurai. Mm-hmm. Yama's Yama's our sushi place in town. And uh and then samurai's like the it's kind of like a takeout sushi place in Whistler. And that's like my, it might be my favorite restaurant in the world. Cause it's like, you just go in and get like a $12 bento box and it's like amazing. And then it's, you just, you pay and then they bring you your food and then you leave and it's no restaurant interacting. It's amazing. And we go there. I, I mean, if I get my choice, we go there every day after snowmobiling in Whistler. <laughs> nice. And also go of- follow eggs, <laughs> yeah. go follow eggs for morgues on Instagram. Morgs is uh Morgs is the shit. He was hurt last winter, but this winter he's not hurt and he is gonna be kick ass. Yeah. Speaking of sushi, Mitchell Brower says, Thank you for coming to eat sushi with me after dinner in Tokyo. <laughs> Thank you for taking me to sushi, Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell has to eat. Did you ask him his food question? Oh, there were like eight food questions in a row with him. That's it. He has to eat like a lot or he like has like this like diabetic reaction. He's like not diabetic, but he like his body starts to like fail. So he like it's it's uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why I think it's funny. I just love that Mitchell like needs food. So we like went out for this huge dinner and then everyone was going to like a bar. We were in Tokyo and me and Mitchell don't drink. And he's like, would you like to go to sushi with me? <laughs> he's like, I know where a place is. And he like ran across and 
we were the only people on the trip that got to eat conveyor belt sushi because no one out like yeah everyone missed missed it because we were only in tokyo for a day yeah it was awesome Dude, I gotta go. Jap- japan highlighted my life for sure yeah um all right uh rudy asks what sh- who, who's your favorite snowboarder and Blake Ball tied, and Travis Rice too. Travis Rice is is uh, I don't know. No one will be able to be as good as him ever again. What were those first two you said you cut out for a second? Sorry, uh, Blake Ball and Arthur Longo. But I think I said Arthur Longo first. Arthur Longo, Blake Ball, Kevin Backstrom. Also, actually, Kevin Backstrom. I I always forget about, but he he is someone I like would relate to where. He makes his own movies and his style is so style focused and he's all about the like super sick, like no grab spins. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I relate to that a lot. And he also makes his own movies that are like really, really good and does all the editing. Yeah. Betty that's Ford true. is a great one. Um, Kath's wick best electric blanket song. <laughs> Hello, Kathy. Um, Planet of the vapes, Kathy. That's the best electric blanket song <laughs> there you go and here's a I'm here's a babes. here's a local one for you uh dagan favorite chair at fern dog and why uh, the bear chair because that's where you get to do burlaps mm-hmm. there you have and it. even even i ride i ride the corner pocket lap a lot but that's because it takes you to bear let's see yeah that's the best lift here's another one here's another local one Paul, would you rather one last jump session on the menage a trois or one electric blanket set at the Royal? Oh, electric blanket at the Royal. Yeah, fuck. That's yeah. tough. The Royal's an old da- dive bar we used to have pre-COVID and it killed, COVID killed it. Ugh. But it was like the sickest spot and we never got to play there as our like as our like electric blanket band. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak about That's your- funny. Do you want to speak about your band at all? We kind of we haven't really talked yeah, about it too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say the band is like I've been. I've played music. I played music as a kid. I played drums and then fell off of it when I was like a teenager, just because like I don't know, you, whatever your interests change. And then when I was like twenty, my friend Tyler gave me some drums to like borrow and started jamming in the basement, and then started playing playing rock covers with my friends, and then going to jam night, and then kind of relearned how to play music through that and then played in like a couple rock cover bands for a few years and then COVID happened. And then, uh, being in a cover band during like when you can't play in front of people is like, doesn't really make sense. Um, and then one of my best friends, Kevin Frank came back from school. He was at school for a few years. And then we were, we'd been doing this like side project, like bedroom band called electric blanket where it was his project, but I was starting to play drum tracks for the songs. And then when he came back from school, I like reached out to one of my old childhood friends I used to play in our childhood band with and was like, would, like, would you be in our emo band? And uh, then we started playing Electric Blanket through like the beginning of COVID, which was great for us to have like two years to just like sort our shit out and like become a band. So when we could play shows, we had like a show to be able to play. And then since then, it's just like, it's like my, it's the, it's the coolest thing I get to do pretty much. It's like my favorite, my favorite, like, thing that i enjoy the most where i'm like so like proud of like all of us that we can like do this thing and like play these songs that we like yeah um and it's such an awesome creative outlet in so many ways like it's a social outlet because like 
being in a band with somebody, you, you, you're, you, you get to hang out in such a like re- routine, intimate, like environment where like when you're getting older, like everyone's busy, right? Like it's easy to like lose track of like chilling with your homies. Um, but at band, you have to show up because if one person doesn't come, then we can't have band, you know, it's like, you're a bit of a team. Um, and then when you're like working on making a song and you're like doing this thing together, you like, you know, you're, you're interacting with that other person and you're like, almost like, you know, you get to like have this deeper connection where you're playing a song together. Um, and then you get to play it in front of people and playing shows is so exciting. And it's like, it's like getting a clip or doing a contest run with no physical danger. It's just, it gives you that like rush, but you're just, it's going to be fine. Everything's great. You're not like worried about fucking it up. Um, and then like making shirts and doing like merch and just like doing dumb Instagram stuff and like all the little like trinkety, like arts and crafts projects that come along with being in like a band is like so much fun. And, uh, we just kind of do it cause it's like, we do it for fun and we don't want to like try and worry about like, Oh, if we do this, then our Spotify will like get a ton of views. And then like, we just don't want to like ruin it for ourselves and make it like this stressful thing that is like where we're even measuring it enough to d- deem it a failure or a success. Like if we were to like try and do something, it's like, Oh, that did that, that sucked. Like that was just like, a, it failed or whatever. Like we, we want to just have it be fun and do it for the reasons we like it. Like playing live, having band practice, making shirts, making new songs and having like a creative outlet to like express ourselves. It's like, it's fucking nuts when you're like at band and like your homie shows up, and he's like stressed out about some shit that's going on in his life. And he's like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm all worried about this. And then he's like, oh, I got a new song. And then you like play the new song and the demo that he is like working on. And it's like all of these problems in his life are like coming out through the song and being like, like hashed out in this song that he's written. And you're like, this is fucked. Like, this is so cool that I get to like be a part of like your life in this depth. And that's like, what? I don't know. That's how, what, the band is like for me on the inside, but it's just like, fuck, it's, it's cool. I feel super lucky to get to play music. Yeah. That's so great. This is kind of a unique question. Uh, Gavin says, does your music influence your style in skiing? Probably. Yeah. I think it like, has to do a lot. Like I think about ski movies a ton with like ski movies as more like music and more like albums and stuff, you know, like where like, music is so cool especially like indie indie music or like lower like less popular music like just because not a lot of people like it doesn't mean a couple people fucking love it you know what i mean like if your movie isn't the big popular like thing like it might mean a lot to a small amount of people and you're connecting with those people in a genuine way, the same way that like, if I find a tiny band that I love, that is like subjectively shitty, but like it speaks to me, then it's like, that's what I think about. I try to remind myself about skiing, biking, all this stuff is like, you can, you can be niche and mean a lot to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that like definitely influences my like, uh, skiing and my filming and my biking. And also, I don't know. I think that probably like being in like a little punk type band has like made me very like, you should be out there like challenging norms and you should be like out, not just trying to do the same thing that will like make you successful, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And like, just because it's, if it's, if, if, if everyone's not totally sure about it, like you're probably on the right track, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might get, I think I might get that from music. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so we got two more questions for you. So uh, Deegan asked, will you, will we ever see a Dylan pro model and how will it ride? Oh, good question. How it would ride? I don't know. I, I, I mean, that would be, that'd be, that'd be amazing. That'd be like a, that'd be like a dream for sure. Um, as everybody, every kid would dream of that. I could imagine it being pretty carvy. That would be how it would ride. Mm-hmm. Super carvy and playful, but also stable enough that you can straight line the tires. I think that's the measure of a ski for me. Can I do a butter and can I straight line the tires? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And so yeah. that'll wrap it up. My last question is something that we kind of, we kind of skimmed over, but I, but we talked about its essence. Um, you have a new movie coming out. So before I let you go, tell everyone what to look forward to or your new, your new video project. Yeah. So, um, I got a new video coming out. Um, it's called free in your body. Um, I have the, I have my to-do list here. I don't know how to turn the camera around. My to-do list of what I have to finish. Yep. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, this movie is, it's a sh- like 10 minutes short film. Uh, I shot it entirely. It was supposed to be entirely on 16 mil. We shot a little bit of super eight. Um, but I just have been like so drawn to like film over the years that I wanted to try and learn how to do it. And, uh, with my help of my buddy, Jason Mannings, he like guided me through so much of it, um, how to learn how to shoot film. But basically halfway through the season decided, I was talking to my friend, Garrett Capel. I'm like, should I just do it entirely film? And he's like, yes. (laughs) And so basically just tried to shoot an entirely film video and in between, in between other brand projects and stuff. And then in between Soph and I getting a puppy, um, I just kind of took this year to like step back a little bit and like allow myself to just see what I wanted to do and see where that took me. Um, whether it was like going sledding in Whistler or something or, or skiing, skiing big mountain or like I got really into pow surfing and trying to like expand my like house surfing repertoire. Um, but just like trying to take, take the lessons that you're taught from shooting film and like implement them in my skiing life and in my personal life. Cause when you're shooting film, you don't get to watch the clip again. You have no idea if it worked or not. Um, you also have a finite amount of film and every shot costs 12 bucks basically. So you have to be careful with like, like what you're trying to do and what you're deciding to do. Um, which kind of made me like relax on if the trick worked or not, where I usually get a lot really worked up. Like, you know, you do a trick, you look at the clip, you like analyze it in the field, you decide that it sucks. And then you go home and you're like, fuck. But then in July, you're like, ah, it's pretty good. I think it's cool. Um, So I wanted to do something like this to give myself a bit of like forced lessons in like patience and like acceptance of failure. Um, And I think it, I ended up with something that I'm like really proud of personally. And it's a reflection of like my ski season and the experiences I have living my life while also making a ski video through, um, through this like old 
1970s Russian war documentary camera that I bought. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be something that's like unconventional and maybe not the most exciting video in the world. But to me, it's very special. And I'm going to be proud to have this to look back on like when I'm older, you know? Mm -hmm. And where can they see that when it comes And out? it was, yeah, so that'll be on the Stellar Equipment uh, YouTube. Stellar was super keen to like support it. I kind of approached them with like a really like loose, like I want to make something and I'm going to kind of have like uh, enough money to buy film. And uh, um, I was like, it might take me two years. It might take me one year. Um, and they were like, yeah, sweet, whatever. Sounds good. And they were really supportive of me having like an open-ended, like who knows what it's going to be kind of project. And I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah. So great, man. Um, all right. Well, yeah. You want to plug anything? You want to leave anybody with a little bit of wisdom? This is your, this, these final moments are your floor. Um, thank you to my wife, Sophie, for being awesome. And my parents, Robin and Helen, for being also awesome and letting us play electric blanket practice in their basement for 10 years. And Connor and Steven at Line, David at Stellar. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, um, my transitional team manager currently at Smith. <laughs> Wonderful. But yeah, thanks for everyone for giving a shit about what I'm doing. Yeah. Very much. And thanks for being here. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. All right. Boom. There is the Dylan episode. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>